You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Redefining Rural podcast. Uh, it's so excited to talk to you all again today. Uh, we do have a unique opportunity that, in fact, my two partners in crime, Michelle and Daniil, unfortunately, with the legislative session starting, Michelle got pulled away, and so did Daniil. So you just get me today uh, to introduce uh, my guest, which I'm really excited to hear her talk about her program. We have Erica Ryan, who's a post-secondary workforce specialist at the Colorado Department of Education, and she also is in charge of the T-REP program. And so the T-REP program stands for Teacher Recruitment, Education, and Preparation. So I'm excited for her to talk about the work that she's been doing and how that's impacting not only metro area districts, but also rural districts on how we really increase the number of students getting into the teacher pipeline so that we can have more teachers in the future. So Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Uh, tell us about the T-REP pro program. Sure. Um, so yes, we call it T-REP for short because it is a long name, uh, Teacher Recruitment, Education, and Preparation Program. Um, so it just started this past year, and it allows students who are interested in becoming educators, um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be teachers, that could be counselors too, um, to have two years of higher education paid for. So we call it a fifth and sixth year. Um, so once they complete their fourth year of high school, then they return to their school district um, just so that they can take college level classes in an educator pathway. Um, so they're working towards their licensure and the state will pay for um, up to two years of college credits. And that can either be at a community college or a four year institution. Um, and some of our districts actually are using the program to have students start getting work experience in their district. And so students may be working part-time as paras. So it's a really great way to get students on the pathway to um, earning their degree and their licensure and also to, to keep them in your district and to keep the to get them that work experience so that once they finish, they're ready to um, start teaching in your district. Very cool. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how if a if a district wants to be involved in this process, what do what are the steps that a district needs to do to have a T rep program within their system? Sure. So um for a student to qualify to be in T rep in their um fourth year of high school or their senior year, they need to take um one course and what we're what is uh called the educator pathway and this is uh so there are some education courses but there's also a variety of general education courses that students would need to take um to earn their degree anyway so there's a lot of flexibility there so that's the first step that stu students need that qualifying course and then once students have that qualifying course um in the I guess spring semester, I, I want to say spring, but it's not really spring looking at all the snow on the ground. <laughs> um, so there is a process which on um, February 28th, I'll be hosting kind of a kickoff webinar to show um, the steps that students um, and districts would need to take to get students involved. 
Um, so it's really uh, filling out an online form, just indicating how many students the district has and the contact information of the district. And then alongside that, there is a spreadsheet um, with some student level data that gets filled out um, so that we make sure students qualify and I have all the information I need to kind of um, have students be in the program. Um, we are dependent on the funding um, that comes through on the long bill, which is basically the um, the budget, um, which gets usually passed towards the end of the legislative session. So we're looking at like May probably. Um, so any district that uh, puts in for a slot, right as of last year, there were 200 slots available and we had um, about 50 students take advantage of it. I expect this year um, we will have quite quite a bit more students, just knowing that the, the information is out there um, and students have time to kind of adjust their schedule to make sure that they get that course in so they can qualify. Um, I anticipate this year we'll have 200 slots as well. Um, and if, if I get more requests uh, for slots than, um, or more students than I have slots, then there will be an allocation model that's used. However, any district that applies is guaranteed at least one slot. So if you're a small district and you only have one student, that student is guaranteed a spot, which is awesome. Um, and we heard feedback from some of our other programs that um, particularly Ascent, which is similar to this, it allows for students to have a fifth year in any kind of pathway, not just educator, that um, the way slots were allocated kind of favored um, early adapters in larger districts. And so we really wanted to be um, as fair as we could and make sure that all um, districts who have students who want to take part in this program get at least one slot. So that that allocation process will happen in in May, and then by the beginning of June, I will notify districts of what their um, what their allocation is. I know that's a little challenging for students to kind of like wait it out, but they still are guaranteed that one slot regardless. So if it's only one student applying, then they they have that slot. Um, I mean, Ascent last year went to, it's open to everyone. So we hope that TREP kind of goes that way, but I mean, it's still very much in its beginning stages. So um, I anticipate that we'll have the 200 slots again. Great. And so just on, on the, the history of TREP, I'm, am I correct in saying the 22-23 school year was the first time that this was available? And so we're going into would be this this fall would be just its second year of existence. Mm -hmm. that That's correct. So next okay. year um, for 23-24, we would have students who are just starting the program, and then we will have students continuing because it allows for up to those two years. So that's pretty exciting too, to kind of have students in both years of the pathway. Great. And so student, stu students who are in participating districts, um, they and their district need to decide if a, if a student's going to do a fifth or a sixth year uh, by the 1st of May. Is that, is that mm -hmm. kind of the time period? And, yeah. and what, what is the requirements for a district as far as partnership with higher ed? Is there certain higher ed institutions that, that provide that coursework or can it be open to any IHE uh, in the state of Colorado or I, th I think it's got to be Colorado, correct? It can't be. Yes. So, right. That is that is important to note. It does have to be within Colorado. Um, and it also, the program, um, TREP comes out of what we call the Concurrent Enrollment Programs Act, which is mainly a community college program. So it's generally two-year institutions that um, students can do this with. 
However, that doesn't mean that they cannot take on, you know, if, it, if an IEG is far away from them, there's online options and the community college system is really working towards um, making those classes available online. Um, and also potentially making the, I know some institutions have different uh, tuition for online classes. And I know that's something they're looking at. It is gonna be before their board, I think potentially at their next meeting. So um, that will, if, if they do pass that, that, you know, the, the tuition cost is the same, regardless whether it's an in-person class or online, that's really a game changer and open, you know, just makes it that much more affordable. Um, Four-year institutions can participate, but they do have to meet a couple of um, conditions. So as it stands right now, um, they have to match the resident community college tuition rate, which I think is like $155 per credit, something like that. Um, so that's in most cases like a significant discount on, on the tuition that they charge in general. Um, so I have to be able to meet that condition. And then the courses cannot be offered out of their extended studies office, um, which sometimes gets a little tricky. I know some of the um, four-year institutions say that they have the most um, flexibility with those courses in terms of uh, the tuition that they can charge. Um, so there are, this year we did have a couple of four-years participate. Like I know MSU Denver did, um, I think Western Colorado University did, Colorado Mesa. Um, so there were a few. But I think it's really important to note for students who are maybe thinking about a four-year, and I know that like a four-year might be a little bit more enticing because you can kind of just start there and, and finish your, your whole degree there. Um, but the program does not include housing costs. So it, the way it's the law is written, um, districts have to cover tuition, but anything beyond that, they do not have to cover. So they do not have to cover books, fees. That doesn't mean that they won't. So um, I would certainly talk to your district and see what they would cover. I mean, many districts do try to cover that for students, just knowing that, um, you know, that's really helpful. But if you are looking to live on a campus, um, you need to check with Residence Life to see if that's even a possibility because you are not considered a high school graduate. So you've fulfilled all your requirements. You can walk, you can participate in, in any graduation activities or, you know, senior year things, end of year things but you don't have your diploma until you, your high school diploma until you finish the TRAP program. And so some institutions may have, you know, age limits or you may need to be a high school graduate. So that's just something to um, keep in mind. And you're also not eligible for um, federal or state financial aid. So if you're looking to live on a campus that could be challenging because you'd have to find other ways to kind of fund that, um, the housing piece the room and board, which, which can add up. So just some things to keep in mind. Great. Thank you. Now, so under, because it's under the concurrent enrollment statue, uh, I know that we have a lot of rural districts who are able to use um, their current staff if they meet the requirements to teach college level courses. Does that, does that still fall under the T-Rep? Like, so could a local teacher who has, who has meets those 18 our requirements above um, their certification, are they uh, allowed to teach some of these courses that are then considered if they're approved by the community college or does it have to be a community college staff member? No, so it could be it could be um, high school instructors who have met those qualifications and the student doesn't have to take all the courses on the college campus. Like if the high school 
offered things that fit into the student's degree plan, then that would be fine. The student could take the classes at the high school. Um, and I think like in terms of getting students into the program, like the best thing is having um, your own instructors offering concurrent enrollment in the high school to really get them started on that pathway so that they have the credits that they need to qualify. Okay. Exciting. Um, talk to us in this first year, um, who, what districts participated? Um, I know we had some metro area and some rural. Would love to hear who's who started down this road. Sure. Um, so this year we had, in terms of rural districts, we had four, um, Peyton, Summit, Canyon City, and Elizabeth. Um, I anticipate that that number will grow um, on both sides. The majority of our other districts are larger districts like, um, you know, Pruder, for instance, Denver Public Schools, a lot of um, front range or metro districts. Um, we had a total of 50 students this year, and I think our largest cohort from any one district was 10 students. Um, so that that's exciting. But uh, we also collected numbers. We have to submit to the legislature like our anticipated numbers for next year. And um, we had almost 400. So I imagine that's probably a little higher than it's going to pan out. Um, in reality, but that was pretty exciting. And we had, I think I counted 21 um, new districts. I mean, so the ones that had students for this year plan to have students next year too. Um, but 21 new districts is, is pretty exciting. Um, and then like the largest, the largest amount was like 100 students, which I don't know, we'll see if that one pans out. But, um, and then the smallest, like from a small district who was one student. So kind of running you know, the gamut in between there. But um, but yeah, I anticipate we'll have a pretty robust cohort for next year, which is exciting. That's great. And and just making sure I heard you correctly, uh, any district who, who wants to participate is guaranteed at least one slot yes. um, to do that. And then from there, if we if you reach your your cap, then you'll have a formulaic way of, of distributing those. Yeah, slots. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's just like a percentage. So each district still gets, um, you know, some of their slots, but we really want to make sure that, um, you know, for the smaller districts out there that only have one student, that that student gets to participate. That's that's great. Well, it's it's an exciting opportunity for for districts, and I sure hope it helps us uh, get more interested students in into the pathway. Uh, in the districts that you've been been working with and have been participating this year, have you gotten feedback from them on how it how it's been going? Yeah, I mean, I think this year was definitely challenging because the the pathway only uh, you know. The legislature, pa the legislature passes the bill, and then there are all these steps that we kind of have to get in place to implement the bill. And so the pathway had to be created, and that went through a working group. Um, and it wasn't finalized until about March of last year. And so then we only had a couple of months to get students um, into the program. And so with that requirement of the 12th, um, needing a course in the 12th grade year, if the students didn't already have it, then you know they likely wouldn't be able to participate. But I mean, I think what we've heard from students is just, and I think I think this is um, not necessarily uh, linked to TREP in particular, but just like that adjustment to college can be challenging. And a lot of students are also working, whether that's in education or you know some other job. And so 
just like balancing their time and balancing um, work and school can can be a challenge. Um, but I think uh, we just yesterday we have a concurrent enrollment um, advisory board in um, MSU Denver um, who has one of they have had had ten students um, for this year participating. Um, which I think might be our largest uh, cohort at one institution. Um, we're talking about some of the advising strategies that they use with students and just really getting students like onto the campus and, you know, connecting them with an advisor, connecting them with the concurrent enrollment folks so that they really have um, connections across the board. I mean, I think um, it can be challenging because the student kind of goes from high school and then is in the in college right but they're still sort of connected to their high school counselor maybe um but i think like any you know a direct handoff of students that you can do and just connecting them to the education department to an advisor um you know to a concurrent enrollment person just so they have those contacts and even if they don't know like who they should direct their question to then they you know have a couple of people they can reach out to and get that process started. Um, I think those who are working, um, particularly in education and doing the program, really enjoy that because they're kind of having that direct connection. Um, but also, we only have 50 students, so it's not, we don't have a very big sample size. We did just um, kind of do a survey of students to see what the feedback is kind of after the first semester. Um, and we had a low response rate, but we also had a small sample size. So. Um, I think, I think too, like once we have um, cohorts of two years together, I think that will be a really great opportunity for students to connect across cohorts and maybe have like um, a mentor who's, you know, already kind of been through like the first year and, you know, has gained some um, understanding that they can kind of share with students who are just coming in. Um, and I think that was one of the things where we were most interested in when we surveyed students was just like, what would you have wanted to know um, coming into this program? And so, I'll, I mean, a lot of it was just like general questions, like, can I get financial aid? Can I, you know, but I think like the more um, publicity and, and the more the word gets out there, you know, students will feel more comfortable with this choice. I think it was, you know, last year we didn't have a, a long timeline. And so, you know, students just kind of came into it, maybe not knowing as much as they would have liked um, before before choosing this program, so. Sure, sure. Well, it, it's a very exciting program and hopefully it'll continue to grow. I know as, as an educator and uh, when I was a student, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so had I had this opportunity to be able to start it right away, uh, I think it would be a great way to reduce student loans and access to education for lots of kids. So I'm I'm excited that the, the state passed the legislation and that you're in charge of it. So thank you so much for, for sharing what you guys have learned in this, this first experimental year. And then hopefully folks will be interested in, in bringing it to their region, their area to do that. I heard you say at the beginning that you've got an informational webinar coming up uh, next month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so they should just, just look for that coming in the scoop or should they reach out to you, yeah, what's so the way to it get will involved? be in the scoop, but yeah, I mean, anyone who wants to reach out to me, please do. Um, my email is Ryan 
underscore e at cde.state.co.us. I know that's a mouthful too. Um, but yeah, it will be in the scoop. Um, there is a TREP webpage, so it's already up on the TREP webpage. So you can, um, you do need to register in advance, um, but there's a link there to do that. Um, yeah, um, I, it will go out every week until until it is time for the webinar in the scoop, so. Great. Yeah, I definitely encourage folks to take a look at the department's website. Just type search TREP and uh, Erica's put a lot of great information. Their Q&A page, I think is fantastic, uh, both from a, a student perspective and an educator's perspective. So if you're a, a district interested or an educator interested in having this happen in, in your region, your area, uh, I encourage you to reach out to Erica and, and get the ball rolling, uh, being able to find those partners uh, with the higher ed institutions, community colleges. Uh, feels like it's a great way for us to, to, one of the many prongs of a way for us to tackle uh, our teacher shortage that we have here in, in the state of Colorado. So awesome. Well, Erica, anything else you'd like to say about your program? I mean, I think uh, just for districts who are, you know, either thinking about it or, um, wanting to get started, um, the best start you can give students is offering concurrent enrollment in your building. Um, so getting teachers qualified, and if they're not qualified, um, our office also runs the concurrent enrollment innovation and expansion grant, and that's an opportunity to get um, uh, graduate credits paid for by the grant. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think getting students started as early as you can is always the best thing. And we need teachers in Colorado, so please, please send them my way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Erica, thank you again for your for your work with the for the students in here in Colorado, and you appreciate your time joining us on the podcast. So, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Happy to be here.